Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike, and it is uh, July something something, maybe July 20th. I'm always wrong about the date. So. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, it is July 20th. I actually got it right today. Uh, July 20th, it is uh, 9.20 in the uh, morning, 9.20 in the morning, and it is hot here in Japan today. It's a sunny, partly sunny day. Is it partly sunny or is it partly cloudy? I'm not sure. I'm going to go with partly sunny. Kind of the cup is half uh, full scenario. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so what is going on with you guys? Um, I'm going to have to crank the air just a little bit so there'll be some extra noise for a while until
singing a lot and exploring a lot of music and this this led me one of one of the uh, one of the um, sections of the uh, concert is going to be just music from around the world and we're going to try to do several pieces you know from different countries uh, which is always the case in a concert like this but I, I think we're kind of looking for more so the, the countries that we usually don't sing from or you know not not your normal uh, you know Italian French German Latin songs that are prevalent in classical music uh, and so I've been looking at songs in Spanish and songs from Spain I studied Spanish back in well, I studied a little bit in junior high and high school and college as well and, and uh, it was really my my first second language before Japanese um, though I you know have surpassed it by Japanese now obviously having lived in Japan so long but uh, it is something I've always been interested in so that led me to some some I, I don't know what to call it classic popular songs uh, and a lot of these songs you know are I've kind of heard of but never really knew or listened to but I've you know heard them referenced uh, and one is uh, Besame Mucho which is uh, Kiss Me Much uh, and it's a kind of a jazz jazz uh, jazz Latin beat um, song that's been done over and over you know for many many years I bet it's from the 50s or even 40s I'm not sure when it was written uh, that's a song so I've been looking at that I'm looking at another uh, song uh, kind of similar uh, called Hurame uh, which I still haven't translated yet I'm not sure what that means is it Hurame Mirame Mirame means look at me I think Mirame look at me Mirame and then Quereme Quereme means love me or desire me want me uh, anyway it's a love song obviously uh, both of them are obviously uh, but I'm kind of having fun looking at all this new I spent like you know hours yesterday going through uh, some of these songs uh, downloading uh, the sheet music legally I might add <clears throat> and uh, just try, trying to pick through some of these songs and they're really great it's really great music um, and it would be something I think that maybe a lot of people in Japan don't get much of and I think it'll be fun to, to you know kind of showcase um, some of that music so I'm looking at some of those songs as well as a, a few other Spanish songs that I've sung in the past one being Granada which is basically a love song of a place um, <clears throat> uh, anyway yeah so I spent the day doing that yesterday so I've been singing a lot my voice I kind of feel it this morning uh, it's got that kind of a you know you may have pushed me too hard yesterday kind of a growl going on but that's all good. That's what I need to do. Get my voice in shape for the concert. So uh, I think I will shift gears today. Um, I just read a, a Facebook post uh, on a group that I'm in called uh, Following the Fire. I think it's called Following the Fire. It's a it's a basically a rogue. I think most of the people involved are Church of Christ. But it's critical of traditional Church of Christ um, <clears throat> methods and and uh, things that you know we've experienced in the past, and a lot of the people are still in Churches of Christ. They're trying to change from within, but they realize that you know a lot of the 
theology and, and methodology of the church is 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 and has been sketchy um, and so this this is a place where people go to to talk about shared experience and and uh, you know to find um, support and, and camaraderie and, and to bounce ideas off of one another and things like this so anyway uh, I've recently joined that page and a lot of my friends are on that page and I there was a post that just caught my eye uh, and I think it would anybody so <clears throat> basically uh, this girl is talking about her experience I think it was a girl I don't remember who it was would love to give you credit but anyway um, she said when she was at camp I suppose she was a teenager they were at youth camp they had all gotten to youth camp and then when they were all gathered together they announced that their youth pastor, their youth minister, if you will, uh, had died in a car crash on the way to the camp. He had died on the way to the camp. Uh, and there's all these, you know, all of his uh, kids are there, you know, because he's a youth pastor and they're all in his youth group. Well, <clears throat> they all start crying and comforting each other and hugging and and then uh, the dead youth pastor calls to everybody from the rafters. He's hiding. He's not dead. Uh, he's hiding up in the rafters. And he starts to tell them what hell is like. <laughs> All right, imagine this scenario. You think your youth pastor has just died. Kids get really attached to their youth pastors. Uh, there can be some love-hate relationship there with some some kids, but a lot of kids really, really um, bond with their youth ministers. I did. I loved my youth ministers. Uh, and if I would have thought one of them would have died, it would have been just like a best friend had died or a family member or, you know, it wouldn't be any different. Anyway, this scenario highlights... Um, A lot of the bad, poor methodology in in many churches, but I would say it certainly fits the churches of Christ. I'm not going behind you forever. You're way too slow. Way too slow. Need any creepers? So, yeah. Uh, Total manipulation. Total emotional manipulation. Now the thing is, if this would have happened to me and I was a kid there, I probably would have been struck to the heart. I wouldn't have been angry. Uh, I would have been convicted. That was me. I, I was I was the, the kid that was so guilty about all of his dark secrets uh, that that I was I was ready to be manip ready and primed to be manipulated by those kinds of tactics and methods, right? Yeah, that was totally, that totally would have worked on me. No question. Oh, great. What is up with this traffic? Um, but for the most part, you know, that, that stuff is going to just cause bad emotional damage, you know. It's just a horrible way to do stuff. It's a horrible way to get your point across. 
Now, despite the fact that most theology on hell is incredibly uh, off base, uh, people don't understand hell. People people have accepted what they've been uh, spoon-fed to believe about hell, but very few people have deeply thought about it. And if they would, they wouldn't be, be so sure about what they think they know. Despite that, just the method, right? The method of using fear to somehow springboard kids into some kind of self-realization of their own sin or or their own mortality or whatever. That, that fear tactic. Number one, I would say is not necessary because I think kids are pretty, pretty afraid anyway. I think kids are pretty afraid. I was pretty afraid. I don't think that's necessary. And number two, it sends the wrong message of God. It totally misrepresents who God is. You know, a God who says, if you were to die, you know, uh, while you're sinning, then that's it. Whatever your last thing is how I will judge you. Whatever the last thing you did is who you are for eternity and how I will treat you for eternity. AKA, if you die in your sin, if you die without having repented of that thing that you did or that thing that you thought, uh, if you die in that state, uh, then you are going to hell, right? So if you happen to die on your worst day. So basically what, what we what we believed was was that it was it was all a crapshoot you know it was all you know I don't know when I'm gonna die and and I'm being told constantly that I'm a sinner uh, that that I I don't deserve life that I deserve death I'm being told this constantly uh, and that means that you know if everybody else is like that, then I'm going to sin, you know, again, even if, even if I'm fairly sin free right now, I don't think I can go without sinning every day. And what if, you know, on the, on the day that I am finally so weak that I can't resist, uh, and I sin and that's the day that, you know, I have a car accident or whatever. Anyway, you can see how this kind of manipulation, uh, could be very effective, right? Uh, this is this is how we we teach teenagers uh, not to have uh, premarital sex, right? We 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 make them afraid of all kinds of diseases uh, or all kinds of this and that. We use fear all the time in education, uh, and it's mostly not you know not math, not English. Although you know we say if you don't learn. Uh, you're reading, writing, and arithmetic, then you're going to, you know, clean toilets your whole life. We, we use that kind of manipulation. Um, but, but basically the education I'm talking about is, is teaching people how to be better people, right? Teaching people how to be good people. Here's one of the problems I see in using fear as an educational tool. Number one, I think people learn best by example. And what I mean by that is that everything we've ever learned well, we learned by watching someone else, someone else do it or model that behavior or technique or whatever you want to call it. Right? We learn by watching people. And so our teachers 
are our mentors, right? They're teaching us how to be better people by us watching how they treat other people, right? So if they are manipulating people by fear, that's what they're teaching us, that we should also manipulate people using fear. We should get people to do what we want them to do uh, by scaring the, the hell out of them, <laughs> literally. Um, so that's the thing you're really teaching. It's not, it's not the, the, the thing you think you're teaching, right? You, you may be getting some information, you know, uh, into, the, into the brain. Uh, that's possible. Um, but what you're really teaching is how to treat people. And that is, if you want someone to do something or to act a certain way, uh, fear is the way to do it. And so we're, we're perpetuating this, this um, method, methodology, which uses fear uh, to dictate behaviors. Fear dictated behavior, is that a thing? That's what you're really teaching, right? The other stuff, you know, whatever it is you're trying to, to scare people away from doing, uh, you may or may not be successful in it. But as Jesus talked about, it all comes back to Jesus, right? Everything you want to teach people, you can sum it all up in love your neighbor as yourself. Treat other people the way that you want to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right? That's how we... That's how we treat people. That, uh, that, that's how we... That's how we get people to behave better. It's not by scaring them from doing bad things. It's by teaching them how to be good to one another. How to do good things. How to good, do good to each other. Uh, how to uh, how to be loving and caring and generous, right? If if our kids are all of those things, those negative things are taken care of. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah, Bob. Bob's my good friend. Sorry, I'm having a delicious latte that I made myself this morning with uh, Ethiopian Yurgachev espresso. I don't remember if this was natural or washed. And uh, some whole milk. It is delicious. My second one of the day. I'm going to need it. Man. Oh, it, gets, it gets harder and harder to sleep in this heat. For sure. Uh... So, been trying to figure out, you know, what it is about fear that makes it such a go-to tool for teaching. It's it's the go-to method, really. It, it's it's the default method. I think I think it's the one that comes most naturally to all of us. And unfortunately, I think that comes from the fact that this this is part of the system of the world. This is how the world deals with behavior. It's part of the system of the world, fear. 
Now, yes, I know fear the Lord is, is you know, parroted many times in the Bible. Fear the Lord. Uh, Proverbs says the beginning of fear is the beginning of wisdom, right? Fear the Lord in all his ways and, you know, all kinds of stuff like this. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. And I think fear is somewhat a natural phenomenon in a fallen world. I think it's, it's, it just happens, you know, uh, not all fear is bad. Um, and I think, I think the world just, the world just gives us all kinds of reasons to fear. And I don't mean, I don't mean the systems of the world when I say that. I mean, I mean the, the natural order of things. You know, you've got uh, things that I feared the most when I was a kid were uh, tornadoes. I hated tornadoes. I was afraid of tornadoes. Um, you know, thunderstorms, high winds, lightning, all of that kind of stuff uh, scared me a lot when I was a kid. Um, uh, you know, fires, wildfires in many parts of Europe right now and sure California's gearing up for that uh, uh, you've got hurricanes and earthquakes oh my gosh earthquakes goodness there's a you want a, a uh, you know killer that's always lurking in the shadows here in Japan it's earthquakes and we get you know typhoons as well um, but I think earthquake is the big fear factor thing here uh, you know various insect bites and animal attacks and uh, did I say insect bites <laughs> I didn't really mean insect bites I meant uh, like poisonous uh, snake bites and things like this uh, all kinds of things to be afraid of that are in the natural world that that I think you know there's a healthy amount of that you know you you see a snake that has a certain shaped head you should have a, you know a, a kind of reverence for that beast. Don't go too close. Uh, you know, um, take care. Uh, that animal can take your life. Uh, it's okay to have that kind of fear. The problem is we put God in the category of freaking wild animals. We put God in the category uh, of, of somebody that we should tiptoe around because at any moment he could take your life. And, and that's a big problem to me. That's a huge problem. And I, I think the Old Testament doesn't do us any favors. Uh, I think there's enough of that in the Old Testament uh, to where it's understandable that we could come down to that conclusion. Um, pretty sure a couple scriptures will come up. Uh, but, but... That's not the God we find in Christ. That's not the God we find in Jesus. Uh, and nothing against the Old Testament. I think the Old Testament uh, is a wonderful record of how people thought of God and how that progressed uh, into the revelation who is Jesus um, and how now uh, we, can, we can know without a doubt who, who God is because we've met Jesus uh, and we no longer need to uh, fear God as we fear uh, the wild beast. <clears throat> oh, I forgot sharks. Sharks are great. I swim in the ocean sometimes. Sharks are a great fear. Uh, so, 
yeah, fear fear can be incredibly healthy and natural, and you know it, it's fine to fear touching fire, and it's fine, you know, th- those kinds of things are very normal. But when we're talking about the last days, right, the the judgment, the apocalypse, uh, whatever whatever events you think may be happening in the last days, if we're trying to get people. Uh, to behave right so that they won't be in hell for eternity, uh, that fear to me is not helpful. We're not teaching them anything except to perpetuate that that methodology of education through fear. And that methodology is bankrupt. It's played out. Uh, it has not had its desired effect. Uh, it doesn't really change behavior much and it certainly even if it changes behavior it's not going to change hearts so what we want is a philosophy or a theology that not only changes the way we act but the way we think the way we believe the way we feel changes us from the inside, transforms us into a more loving, generous, understanding person. A person who is not sinless, but who sins less. I did not coin that, by the way. Um, that That's, you know... That's that's really the most any of us can hope for, I think. So that methodology, I think, is is grounded and rooted in Christ. Yeah, I think it's grounded and rooted in God. And I think I think you see glimpses of that in the Old Testament, but I think you see a lot of misunderstanding who God was in the Old Testament as well. Although certain psalmists tried to beat it into us, saying how, you know, talking about God's hesed, his loving kindness, you know, his long-suffering. Um, God is long-suffering. He is, he is all-loving, right? We get this a lot in the Old Testament. It's just that we get a lot of other stuff, too, and it makes it confusing. Um, <clears throat> So that's it. You know, Jesus summed up uh, how to deal with both behavior and the heart. He said, love one another. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I I have loved you, so you must love one another. John says, this is how we know that we are his disciples, right? By our love. We know we are Christians by our love. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Not, not by our fear, not by our, us making them afraid, but by loving them no matter how they behave or how they act. We need more examples. We need more mentors who love. And the more mentors, the more teachers we have who love, the more we will all begin loving.
that's it. That's the game. Sorry. I uh, started daydreaming, daydreaming for a minute about how that might look. You know, what does that, what does that look like for a for a mentor to kind of drop some of his some of his or her uh, methodologies and to to begin a totally different kind of a totally different kind of ministry. One that doesn't judge, but one that accepts. One that uh, doesn't sow fear, uh, but grows love. What is that going to look like? How is that going to change the way that we interact with people? How is that going to change the context in which we interact with people? You know, what kinds of what, what kinds of meetings or gatherings do we need to do that? You know, the very nature of a weekly gathering uh, means that there's kind of a an attendance that goes on, right? An attendance where, you know, you're here or you're not here, and why are you not here? And we start thinking, wow, this person's not here because uh, they're not, they don't love us enough, or, you know, they're not serious enough about, about God, or, you know, there, there's this... And a lot of it's just in your mind and just a, maybe even a, a reaction. And part of that's because we've been poorly programmed by the people that have mentored us in the past. Um, so I don't think it has to happen that way. Sorry, I'm getting a little toasty. I'm going to turn up this air just a little bit. Try not to let it get too loud. So... You know, there. What is that going to look like if we suddenly shift from trying to manage behaviors to to enjoying, exemplifying love? Forget the behaviors, just model love. That doesn't mean you have to forget all behaviors. I realize there are some things that, that need to be nipped in the bud, you know, that need to be um, taken care of right away um, because they can be dangerous or destructive. Uh, and for the, for the benefit of the person as well as the, you know, benefit to the uh, potential victims of some behaviors, you, you need to kind of act outright. Um, and that can be loving too. There, there are ways to be loving in that kind of a, an action. And we've, you know, I've talked about this. And we've talked about violence a lot in the last several weeks. You probably know what I think about that. But if you don't, you can go listen to those. Uh, I think there are times when you can step in the gap. You don't have to accept someone's behavior, right, to love them. Uh, I think there's some some protecting of the innocent that, that should go on. But, but, um, again, the, you know, the, where you're coming from is all important. So, John... Where is it in John? I can't remember. I want to say it's one of John's letters. Um, 
Excuse me. He says, perfect love casts out all fear. We don't really talk about this as much as I'd like to see in, in Christian circles. How the opposite of love isn't hate, it's actually fear. And I think, I think of course, fear and hate are bound up together. I think Yoda taught us that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did Yoda last week, I remember now. Anyway, uh, so... Love and fear, uh, uh, fear and hate are bound up together, but love casts out fear. Love is the thing that can alleviate the pain caused by fear, the suffering that fear causes. Again, we're back to Yoda. What can I tell you? Um, love, yeah. And of course, I mean agape love. Me, that's that's the truest form of love. That everything else is not really love. It's it's uh, slightly different, but might have some agape in there. But I'm talking about agape, unconditional love. And I've talked about this in the past too. That I think the realization that you have received unconditional love goes a long way can go a long way uh, ways can go a long ways in helping you um, be transformed into, into a more loving person when you realize that, that you received something that you didn't deserve but it was a free gift uh, there, there can be a humbling that happens in that moment and in that softening of your heart you're able to grow right you, you are able to to be transformed no matter how little uh, but but somewhat right you you can change that's really the good news of the gospel is that things can change they can get better you don't have to be in the situation you are in today, there is hope. Uh, there is more than hope. There is a promise. The good news of the gospel uh, is that whatever reality you think you are stuck in today is not going to be the final word. Uh, it's not going to be the final word. You will, in some way, shape, or form, persevere through this there is the other side of this this too shall pass is how we say this sometimes um, and that's good news for everybody right everybody that finds themselves in a um, untenable situation and I think we all will at some point or Uh, so yeah, I'm starting to ramble a little bit, trying to stretch this out. Uh, no need. I think I think we got to a decent place. Um, I hope. Uh, I hope we don't we don't manipulate people into being becoming Christians or being better Christians or having certain behaviors. I think behaviors. Uh, I think this this methodology is horrible. Uh, it's it's 
maybe even criminal. <laughs> Especially, you know, thinking about that first situation where we actually tell people that somebody died just to get them to think about their own mortality or, or you know, their own salvation. Uh, yeah, so I was trying to trying to coin a word about religious manipulation trying to trying to think of uh, manip manip religion manip religion manip relation or re, re, relip re, re, relipulation <laughs> I don't know religulation maybe I don't know uh, there's not a good one. I have to think about that. Uh, Manipulanity. <laughs> but anyway, it seems to be how a lot of uh, churches, uh, um, how a lot of churches try to teach, is through fear and, and manipulation. And, and uh, you know, I'm I'm from the theater. Manipulation is what theater is all about. I get it, uh, but but there's there's good manipulation and there's bad manipulation. So, all right. Well, you guys um, take care, and we shall see you later. Bye bye now. <laughs>